God's Little Brown Church Sermon Series featuring Pastor Andrew Chrysler. Praise the Lord. January 21st, 2024. If you saw the the church bulletin or the church sign, you see the message is rejoice, which is the message from last week, because the wind chill was 10 below on Wednesday night, and I was not going to go out there and stand in the wind and change the sign. <laughs> Mainly because when I took my gloves off, I was not going to be able to get my fingers to work well enough to move those letters off the sign anyway. The message this morning is grace to stand. We'll start with 1 Peter 5, beginning with verse 5. I did it again. I think about it, and then I forget about it. Well, in the uh, announcements here, it says First Peter four, five through twelve. Which one do you want? Um, Likewise. Um, I want First Peter five. Eight seventeen. So, I set up the computer from my notes rather than from the bulletin. Eight seventeen. Page 817, if you're reading in the Pew Bible, 1 Peter 5, beginning with verse 5. Uh, Peter says, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another, and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but give grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanius, our faithful brother, as I considered him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. Peter says we stand in grace, but he says part of that standing in grace is you're going to be going through things. But don't be surprised because your brethren in the world go through things too. Whatever you face, know that you face it being protected with the hands of sovereign and almighty God. He starts this... Um, Prior to verse 12, he had talked about wives being submissive to the husbands. But then he says, likewise, younger people, be, submit yourselves unto your elders, and, and to all of you be submissive one to another, and be clothed in humility. As we interact with one another, there's going to be turmoil and going to be contention. But the problem with that is Scripture says only through pride comes contention. And we know that pride is, is, is a sin. As we rely upon ourselves, as we, as we uh, trust in our own abilities, as we trust in our own righteousness, as we trust in our own fill-in-the-blank, rather than trusting God, rather than being really willing to say, you know, this is how I see things and I might be wrong, let's talk about this. Going through situations, coming from a position of humility and, and submission, knowing that we work for God. And God is the one who's able to work it out. But God is the one who gives us grace to stand in the midst of the turmoil. Grace to stand in the midst of conflict. He says, the devil's going about like a roaring lion looking for those who can devour. He can devour. There's 
in the midst of the turmoil, the enemy is always there. God told Cain in the Garden of Eden, actually right outside the Garden of Eden, because Adam and Eve had been kicked out because of their sin. Got to fix that. They're not in the Garden of Eden. But Adam told Cain, or God told Cain, that sin lies at the door. But if you do right, you'll be rewarded. But there's always that possibility and there's that thing that was willing to draw you away. The devil going about like a roaring lion is looking for opportunities to drag us away. But when we submit to God and trust in his grace, then God gives us the grace to stand. And it says, uh, verse 10, But may the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, and it's like, wait a minute, why do I have to suffer a while? God, can't you just make it all go away? And he can, but how do we grow? Um, you've, I'm sure most of you have heard it. I may have even said it, talking about uh, you take a, a, uh, a butterfly that's trying to emerge from a cocoon, and if you cut the cocoon off and free it up so that it never struggles, that butterfly will never, it'll die because it'll never be able to spread its wings. It's the struggle and things we go through that form us and shape us and, and allow us to and teach us to trust God. Teach us that we rely upon him and he keeps us in the palm of his hands. He is at work in our circumstances. So it says, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. As we go through things, as we, as we look back and we can see God has brought us through different circumstances, it builds our faith, it builds our confidence, and we know that God is with us. The different things we experience teach us about who God is, teach us about ourselves, teach us about our own shortcomings, where we fall, um, where... Um, where our strength is in, is in our our faith is increased, our faith is strengthened because we see what God has brought us through. If I hadn't spent the time I spent in a foreign jail, I would not have the understanding that I have that God is with me no matter where I am, and knowing that God is all I need. Now He might have found another way to teach me, but the way He the way He chose. <laughs> the, way it, the way it all worked out definitely taught me a lesson. I can learn to rely upon God, that He's paying attention to what goes on in my life. He's paying attention to my circumstances. Whether I am doing what is good or not, whether I am, I am uh, being righteous in my ways or not. Um, I've mentioned this before. I, I was in a store. This is even before I went to Israel. I was in a store. I hadn't come back to the Lord. I came back to the Lord in January of 93. And I went to I went on the missionary journey that ended up in Israel. I left in August of the same year. So between January and August, there was a time where I was in a store. And this guy comes up to me and asks me, asks me for money. Hey, buddy, do you have so, and so much? And I don't remember, a quarter or 50 cents. I don't remember what it was. And I told him no, and I, and I went on about my business. And I got to the end of the aisle in the store. And as you get to the end cap and you turn around, I felt the Lord say to me, Why did you lie to him? Oh, Lord. I had the money in my pocket. I didn't want to deal with the guy. How I dealt 
with the situation was I chose to lie. And God just got me and convicted me. I ended up going through the whole store trying to find the guy to give him, to give him the money and repent because I had lied to him. When you look at the story, it sounds like such a, such a strange incident or such a little thing, but it was very impactful to me because God was paying attention to what happened. He was paying attention to how I interacted with this person. He was paying attention to, to the attitude of my heart. And through it all, he was working to make me more like Jesus, to make me more of a, of a righteous follower of him. So God is at work in our circumstances, but gives us grace to stand, grace to grow, grace to draw near Him. In Romans 5, beginning with verse 1. Page 760. I left the house without my eye drops, and my eye is bothering me. But praise God. Got three bottles of good eye drops and two bottles of not so good eye drops, and they're all at the house. And four of them are on the table. <laughs> Praise God. Romans 5, beginning with verse 1, you said page 760. 760. It says, Therefore, having been justified with, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into His grace, in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We stand in the grace of God. Each and every one of us falls short. Scripture says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Another place says, all we like sheep have gone astray and turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. God through Jesus, God worked through Jesus to reconcile us to, to himself. God sent Jesus to be the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for our sin and impart to us his righteousness. And it's that grace of God working in our lives that draws us closer. The grace that just stirs in it so that um so that uh we come in we come face to face in the mirror with our own failures, our own shortcomings, our own sin, and can go boldly before that throne of grace. We're going to read that in just a minute. Knowing that he is the one who draws us closer, that he stirs in us to be more like him. He stirs in us to draw closer to him. Praise God. Verse 3, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. We do what? <laughs> we rejoice when things are bad. Remember, you know, last week when we talked about rejoice, rejoice uh, in, in the end of the Beatitudes. Blessed are you when men revile you and, and accuse you falsely. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Rejoice in the midst of all that? Absolutely. Because God is at work even in that. It's the perfecting. It's the, it's the refining of our faith. We've talked about how uh, our faith is refined as gold and silver, and that gold and silver are refined by taking the ore and, and uh, crushing it up, getting... Uh, what rocks you can out of, and then it's putting it in a pot and turning on the heat. And more heat and more pressure, the impurities come up. And as we walk with the Lord, sometimes we get that heat and that pressure that causes something to come out that we thought we'd already dealt with. I don't know that it happens. if it happens to you. It certainly happens in my life from time to time. 
And then things will be good, seem to be good for a while. And then all of a sudden there's a little bit more heat and a little bit more pressure. And like, wait a minute, I thought I dealt with that. Lord, help. Lord, make me more like Jesus. Give me a heart to be tender, a heart, tender heart to seek your face. Glory and tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who, is, who was given to us. Stop right there for a second. Um, talked about this also before, the way my mind works. And, and it says, uh, perseverance, or tribulation work produces perseverance. Uh, I'll go back to the how it's worded into King James because I can do that without having to read it. Tribulation works patience, patience, experience, experience, hope, and hope makes us not ashamed. And like I, I get this picture of a of a set of gears, you know how you turn turn a gear and, and as you turn one this one it, it moves the next one and moves the next one. So the tribulation works patience, works experience, works hope. Am I doing a, a good enough visual? I don't know if I am or not, but I, I get the picture of the gear, the gears and and having been on. Uh, on two large ships, two large warships. I know that a lot of the uh, uh, the uh, the turning of the gears to like if you want to move the rudder, the actual teeth on the rudder are very difficult to move. But the way they do it is they have motors that drive gears that drive gears that drive gears. You know, so that. You know, a lot of turning on this one is just a little turning on this one is even fewer turns on this one so that you can get to the point where you're turning the great big heavy gear. So if tribulation works patience, patience experience and experience hope, I, I get the picture that takes a whole lot of tribulation to work a little bit of patience and then a whole lot of patience to work a little bit of experience and a whole lot of experience to begin working hope. That's how I see it. Right or wrong, that's, that's, that's my understanding of it. That's how I picture this in my mind reading this scripture. That, that, that things we're going through are going through for the ultimate good, the ultimate goal of giving us the hope that is in the Lord. But we're going to go through some things. That's why we just read, after you have suffered a while, back in, in 1 Peter, after you have suffered a while to make you perfect and establish and strengthen you. So, verse 5, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who, is, who was given to us. God has given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. God gives us what we need. It's that working it out in our lives. That's why Scripture tells us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Not that we're coming up with a new way of getting saved, but we're walking out what God is doing in our lives. Verse 6, for when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love toward us that when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. 
And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. We keep talking about uh, grace to stand, and and I know I've said it many times, and and uh, and maybe it, it gets on people's nerves. I don't know, but in so many places where you know you hear somebody talking about grace, they always call it the unmerited favor of God, and it is absolutely unmerited favor. But there's another dem- uh, another definition that most people do not talk about, and that is it's the gift of God in your heart. And it's reflection in your life. As God has worked in our hearts, it should overflow into our lives. That is the grace of God, that God took, took you, took, took me from where we were, from whatever we were doing, from whatever mess we were in, and began working in our lives and drawing us by His Spirit and changing us and, and, and working in us even as we go through difficulties. And He began showing His love to us, and then it begins to show through us. It begins to get reflected in our lives. The things that God has done. Grace, not only the unmerited favor of God, but the gift of God in your heart and its reflection in your life. He begins changing our lives. We're not the people that we used to be. Praise God. That He is at work. In Hebrews 4, beginning with verse 12, Page 8.05. 8.05. Talking about the Word of God. The Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of whom we must give account. Stop right there for just a minute. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You can look in the Word of God and, and examine your life in reflection to the Word of God, and it shows our shortcomings. It shows our failures. It shows where God has been at work. It shows God's grace in our lives. But if we're never looking at His Word, if we're never, if we're never drawing near, if we're never spending time with Him, if we're never coming into communion with Him, how are we going to examine ourselves? Scripture talks about the Word of God, uh, a person who reads the Word as though examining himself in a mirror. And then there's that person that walks away and forgets what kind of person he was. Lord, help that not be me as I examine myself in the Word of God. Lord, let it pierce my soul. Divide soul and spirit and joints and marrow and teach me and and show me just who I am that I know how much I need you. We all need God. Verse 14. Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God's plan, God's desire is for us to draw close to Him. 
I think back to the Garden of Eden after uh, Adam and Eve had taken the forbidden fruit and, and realized they were naked and, and sewed themselves aprons of fig leaves and hid themselves. When they heard the voice of the Lord coming in the garden in the cool of the evening, they hid themselves. They were ashamed. So that God said, Adam, where are you? Have you eaten of the fruit that I told you not to? Well, Adam first said, we heard you coming, but we were afraid because we were naked. God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of that fruit? There was no repentance. There was no, um, there was just shame. We hid ourselves because we were naked. Not, oh, Lord God. I sinned. Oh, Lord God, I messed up. Lord God, I did the wrong thing. Lord God, I disobeyed you. There was no confession. God had to pull it out of him. Have you eaten of that fruit? And he says, well, yeah, but it was the woman you gave me. It was her fault. Lord, help me to have a heart willing to seek your face immediately, to draw near to you immediately. When um, Nathan the prophet went to King David, and was telling him about this wicked man who had taken the, uh, the ewe lamb from a poor shepherd. He just said, the rich man had all he, had all he could handle, had, had you know, plenty. But he took the ewe lamb that was precious to this one shepherd. And David's response was, that man should be put to death. And Nathan said, you are the man. Talking about Bathsheba, taking Bathsheba away from Uriah the Hittite. And David repented. David, when he was confronted, repented. And David's referred to as a man after God's own heart. Because he's, yes, yes, I am wrong. He didn't try to say, well, it was somebody else's fault. He repented. Lord, help us to have a heart so open and so tender toward you. That we're always ready to draw near and to run into your arms. Give us that grace. Let us, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may find, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Lord, I need you to guide me and direct me. Ephesians 2, beginning with verse 1. 787. 787. It says, And you who made, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, and which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom... We also once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Stop right there for just a second. God redeemed our lives from destruction. We were dead in trespasses and sins. And says, those who haven't come to the Lord, those who are on the outside, are dead in trespasses and sins. God's desire is not that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we are called to be lights in this generation. We are called to be salt. We are called to be faithful witnesses right here, right now, because people all around us that don't know the Lord are dead in trespasses and sins. 
They're dead. They're separated from God. They need to know Him. We may try to tell them, and they ignore us, or ridicule us, or mock us, or sometimes get violent with us. But if our heart is set to do the things that God has called us to do, trust that God will grant us the opportunity to be a light in somebody's life. Lord, help each and every one of us to be lights in the lives of the people around us. You have us here for a purpose. Let us be faithful witnesses. Verse 5, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Stop right there for a minute. Y'all, you will often hear me talk about how God wants to hold us up as trophies of his grace. In the ages to come, he will display his grace by pointing to what he did in me and what he did in you. God says, I can even fix that one. I can even fix this person. Verse 7, that he age, in the ages to come, he might show his, the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself, a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a plan and purpose for each and every one of our lives. He has good works lined up. He has things in mind that he's called us and equipped us and made us and fashioned us to do to show his grace to the people around us. It wasn't my idea. I didn't come to God because... I'm a pretty good guy, and I need to get to know this real good God. No, I came to God because I was a mess. I came to God because I had destroyed everything I put my hands to. I destroyed a marriage. I destroyed my life. And I finally said, God, if you can do anything with this life, it's yours. It wasn't my idea. It wasn't because I was good enough. It was because I realized I couldn't do it. Final passage, 2 Timothy 1, beginning with verse 8. Page 800. Paul says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. The God who sees the end from the beginning, who knows what tomorrow holds, who knows our steps, who knows everything about us, had a plan and purpose and called us by his Holy Spirit. He called us with a holy calling, verse 9, not according to, work, to our works, but according to his own purpose. God's plan and the grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Before God said light, before time began, 
God had a plan and purpose and involved Jesus becoming the sacrifice because God knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin in the garden, that sin was going to enter into the heart of man, that, that the wages of sin are death, that it would be fully set in the heart of men to do evil continually, as Scripture tells us. But he had a plan for redemption. He had a plan for salvation. He had a plan for this generation. And he's been putting things in place through time to get us right here where we are right now because of his plan and purpose. Verse 10, But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. We are here at, to be faithful witnesses in this generation. I know it seems like I say this all the time. In, in Ephesians, and we're not going there, where it talks about that Jesus gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the, for the perfecting of the ministry, for the work of... Uh, Perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Until we all come together into the unity of the perfect man, Christ Jesus. I talk about God working in you to, to, to touch the lives of people around you because that's the message God has given me. I talk about reconciliation of brothers and sisters in Christ because that's what God has put on my heart. Meeting together with other churches, meeting together with other people, meeting together with other Christians, gathering together, encouraging one another, lifting one another up. Because we're here as ambassadors from heaven to touch this generation, to touch this state, to touch this county, to touch this location, to touch the next county over. Franklin County, as well as Grand Isle. To touch Clinton County over in New York. To be a, a light wherever God has placed us, down in Chittenden County, wherever God has placed us. Whatever circumstance God allows us to be in, He is the one who directs our steps. He is the one who has called us to be His ministers of righteousness, righteousness and to call to be lights in this generation. And it's not of us. It's the grace of God, the trophies of His grace that He wants to hold us up to be. Look what I did through this one. Look how I worked in this situation. Look at my love, God's great love toward us, that he drew us to himself, that he made the way of reconciliation, that he has given us new life and everything we need pertaining to life and godliness, that we might impact the people around us. We have grace to stand. We have grace to draw near. We have grace to go about our lives knowing that God is the one directing us. That even when we go through difficulties, even if we have suffer hardships, even whatever we, in, we encounter, we have God's grace to bring us through because He is not done with us yet. Praise God. Father, we thank You. We thank You, Lord, for Your grace and mercy toward us. We thank You, Father, for that gift of Your grace in our heart and its reflection in our lives. We thank You, Father, that You are changing us, molding us, that we are not the people that we used to be, but that You are continuing to perfect us, continuing to draw us, and continuing to work in us. So, Father, we give praise. We give You glory. We ask, Father, that You would just continue to guide us, Lord. We know, Father, that you who began the good work are faithful to complete it, and we trust and rely upon you. We give you praise, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit glbc.org.
dt.org.